Broadcasting live from the Hollandale Tree Stump in the middle of no man's land. You reach Married with Comedy with Jeff Onyx and Joe Chandler. Strap in, boys and girls, and keep your arms and legs in the vehicle at all times. Because it's gonna get bumpy. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm flying solo this week. Flying solo this week. Um, I keep wanting to go that direction. So I cut off the uh, the intro a little, little, little soon. That's all right. So, what's up? Marriage of Comedy. Jeff Onyx. Yeah. I chose to fly solo today. We're gonna do a short show. We got uh, things to do. Things happening. So. Let's just uh, jump right in it, okay? All right then. Trivia. Snap. Cool. All right. Trivia question. The Wright brothers originally ran what kind of business? Clickety-clack. Let me know in the chit-chat if you know what's up. The Wright brothers originally ran what kind of business? That trivia. Snap. So, yeah. All right, so this week in comedy history, we're just jumping through it, all right? So calm down. Don't be don't be all freaking out, all right? This week in comedy history, we got that guy. John Pinnett. John Pinnett. John Pinnett was born Jean-Paul Pinnett on March 23rd, 1964 in Boston, Massachusetts. He was an American stand-up comedian, an actor, and a Broadway performer. He died on April 5th, 2014 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the age of 50. Panette's personal doctor signed off on his cause of death as pulmonary embolism. Pulmonary embolism. So, John Panette was named Stand-Up Comedian of the Year by the American Comedy Awards in 1999 and received a Gemini Award nomination for his television performance at uh, Montreal's Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in, in the year 2000. He did a lot of movies, a lot of TV stuff, put out a lot of stuff. Okay. You might not know, at the time of his death, he still held the record for the highest-selling one-person show in the history of Montreal's Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. Yeah, Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. So, John Panette. That guy. So that was this week in comedy history. Hey, if you are a um, a uh, fan of the show, want to send us fan mail, you can send us fan mail care of Comedy Vets, P.O. Box 369, Lathrop, Missouri, 64465. If you're an angry feminist, you can send us hate mail, H-A-T-E-M-A-L-E, care of Comedy Vets, P.O. Box 369, Lathrop, Missouri, 64465. Boom. Back to that. Keep hearing noises. Huh. People must be doing something outside. Because I keep hearing noises. Alright, so we're gonna do mm. what are we gonna do now? We're gonna do uh music appreciation. Yeah, music appreciation. So where is it? Where is it? Why can't I find it? There it is. Music appreciation. Okay, so 
Boom. No. Yeah, these people. Boom. Music appreciation. This week's music appreciation is Five Iron Frenzy. Um, Five Iron Frenzy is an American punk band. No. Five Iron Frenzy is an American band from Denver, Colorado. They formed in 1995, best known for playing ska punk music characterized by an offbeat sense of humor and a prominent Christian theme. Five Iron Frenzy, Frenzy was one of the pioneering figures of the Christian ska movement, which emerged with ska's mainstream revival in the 1990s. Since the year 2000, the band's music has shifted away from straight ska to include and embrace stronger alternative rock and pop rock influences, though it continues to create ska music and features Christian overtones, despite several members having changed their religious belief. That is Five Iron Frenzy. And that was music appreciation. Oh, man. Turn it up to die, brah. Turn it up. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do the um, science denier of the week. The science denier of the week. The science denier of the week is this dude. Armedo Avogadro, Avogadro was born Lorenzo Romano Amedo Carlo Avogadro, Count of Corenga, Corregna and Sorrento on August 9, 1776. He was an Italian scientist most noted for his contribution to molecular theory. Uh, Known, also known, uh, wait, the molecular theory now known as Avogadro's Law, which states that equal volumes of gases under the same conditions of temperature and pressure will contain equal member, equal numbers of molecules. He died in uh, July 9th, uh, 1856. Why is this guy a science denier? Huh? This guy's a science denier because at the time, uh, People thought that that uh, uh, the reason that the the uh, like if you're taking the temperature, the reason that the mercury rises and falls is because there's um, more of whatever it is in the thing. Like they thought just magically the stuff, uh, the the mercury became more. There became more mercury. This guy was like, no, the reason that it did that is because the faster the molecules moved, the more room they took up and the more volume and the more room they took up. That's what caused the mercury to rise because uh, when you heat up gases or when you heat up something, the molecules move. So that's why they used to call him a uh, science denier. Because at, at the time, the settled science of the day was that um, the reason mercury rose is because the, uh, the there was more mercury in the in the tube. There was more mercury moving up. That's not true. It was just um, molecules were moving a little bit faster, and that's what caused the mercury to move. And uh, that's why it did what it did. Okay. Also, uh, this guy did an experiment where he took um, 
two chambers, right? And he filled one of the chambers with gas. And he said, what's going to happen is the more you heat it up, they're going to try to move around more. And when you open up the chamber, those gas particles will move into another side. Or was that last week's guy? I thought it was this guy. Might have been last week's guy. Either way, this guy was like, yeah, molecules will move when they get hot. Because, you know, and, and at the time people didn't know. They thought this was heretical for thinking about molecules and atoms and stuff like that. Just like the other guy from last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much the same. Same kind of thing. Where people thought they were science, you know, they, they were denying science because molecules and stuff. They're like, no, man, you can't do molecules. Molecules are bad. So that was the science denier of the week. All right. Oh, this one's going to be fun. This one's going to be fun. This one is uh, conjecture or fact. Conjecture or fact. Today's conjecture or fact is the Voynich Manuscript. That thing, the Voynich Manuscript. Okay. It's called the Voynich Manuscript because there was this dude um, who uh, basically was studying it and he owned it. And they called it the Voynich Manuscript because the guy owned it. It was um, an illustrated, handwritten codex. Uh, and there was an unknown writing system that was written in. So nobody could, nobody could decipher it. The pictures were sometimes realistic and sometimes they were outrageous. So people didn't know which one was, was going on. The vellum that it was written on was carbon dated to be early 15th century. Also, even if you don't believe in carbon dating, uh, the vellum that was used, the way that it was processed, the chemicals and the chemical process and all of that that was used to create the vellum at the time dated between 1404 and 1438. So, you know, the a stylistic analysis indicates that it may have been composed in Italy during the Italian Renaissance. The uh, origins, authorship, and purpose of the manuscript are vigorously, vigorously debated. Uh, various hypotheses have been suggested, including that it's an otherwise unrecorded script for a natural language or constructed language, or it's an unread code, a cipher, or other form of cryptography, or it could be simply a meaningless hoax. Um, a lot of people think that it's not a hoax because the stuff that's in it. But who wrote it? Who wrote it? That's that's the conjecture of fact. Who wrote it? All right. Some people think Sir Roger Bacon wrote it. Some people believe that a young Leonardo da Vinci, when he was small, wrote it. Uh, let's let's look at what what this says. Possible people who may have written it. Okay, so it could have been Roger Bacon, could have been Wilfred Voynich himself. Wilfred Voynich is the guy that owned it. Um, he, he found it or he, he bought it off of somebody and he was trying to study it. Uh, it could have been Jacob of Tepenek. It could have been Athanasius Kircher. It could have been Raphael Minshevowski. Shavsky? No, Minshavsky. Could have been Antonio Av Averlino. Ferrete? 
Okay, whatever. Could have been Cornelius Drebel. Could have been Anthony Ashkamek. Whatever. I think it was Roger Bacon. Me, personally. I think Roger Bacon's the one that made it. You know what I'm saying? Roger Bacon. I think he's the one that did it. So they uh, they they did some research into into the um, the parchment or the vellum, and dated it between 1404 and 1438 based on what type of vellum it was and how it was created. Okay, it was made out of boy, uh, made out of goat skin. The ink, uh, the ink has a, a specific type of way that they made ink. And that is dated to around the same time, around the 1400s. Um, the paint on it was also considered to be, at that time period, that's how they did it, around that time period in the 1400s. Um, so basically, people, are, pe people, can't, um, people can't decipher it. See, here's some script that's going on in there. And I've seen quite a few uh, people, naked women, um, I've seen quite a few um, pe press releases, people saying that they that they solved it. Uh, I saw an in-depth video on YouTube about a guy going through the whole process of how he solved it. Um, there was a Turkish guy that said he solved it. He and his son solved it. There was another guy that solved it. There was an English guy that solved it. There was... There were a whole bunch of people that say they've solved it, but nobody's actually solved it. There's some weird texts and stuff like that. So this is what they believe that it was done. This is what they believe was the uh, the, the text. Okay. They're saying that's A, that's B, that's C, that's D, that's E, that's F, G, H. They're just making it up. They don't know. They don't know. They think that's T and that's the capital T. That's K and that's capital K. That's F and that's capital F. That's P and that's a capital P. Y and a capital Y. O and a capital O with the tail on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Here's the thing. If that's the case, where is the W? Did they not use W's back then? Whatever. So there's another illustration of what's going on with it, you know. And it has this this uh looks like a uh, seahorse. Looks like a seahorse. That looks like a castle, obviously. Looks like a castle. It doesn't that look like a castle with a choo-choo train going around it? Choo-choo. It's a castle with a choo-choo train. In the 1400s, they didn't know what choo-choo trains were. That's some weird plant that was drawn on there. And that's the dude. No. That's, uh, who is that guy? That's Joannis Marcus. And this is the Voynich guy. That's the guy studying the Voynich. He's studying different things to study the Voynich manuscript. So you decide. Who wrote it? Let me know in the, in the comments who you think wrote it. Was it Roger Bacon? Was it uh, young Leonardo da Vinci? Was one of those other guys that were listed? Um, who do you think wrote it? And, and, or, um, 
has anyone solved it? And if you think somebody has solved it in the description or in the, um, in the comments, let me know who you think solved it. If somebody actually solved it. So that's the Voynich manuscript, the Voynich manuscript. Yeah. I don't know, man. All right. This is one of my favorite segments, the outpost survival tip of the week. Okay, so I'm going to share something. Um, the Outpost Survival Tip of the Week is this. A little mini stove. Comes in this little pouch. Has this little stove. It opens up like this. It opens up like that. You know, let's do the top down. Where's the top down? There you go. The mini stove. And this thing, it closes like this. And then you can open it up. Come on. Open it up like that. These little feet open up. that it has this little knob this is this is what lets gas in and out it has uh, an igniter you, you push this and this little igniter up here at the top ignites the uh, gas it has the orange part here is the uh, the normal part that goes onto a normal canister this silver part is an adapter that part that comes apart the silver part is an adapter so that you can fit it onto, uh, let's get back to this other screen. You could fit it onto a canister like this. So you can screw that on there like that. I'm not going to do it because it, it stinks. Screw that onto there like that. And then you open up the valve and you click that thing and it starts a fire. Have all these feet up. Make sure all the feet are up like that and then the thing will sit like this like that and then what you do is you put a, a, a pot or something on top of it to cook and it comes with a uh, this little plastic stand and the point of this plastic stand we figured out was you're supposed to be able to attach smaller the smaller canisters have a little lip around the bottom of this and you can snap it in there, and then this holds the the canister, so it has a bigger footprint. See, but I've used it. We've used it without this, just sitting on this thing right here, and it works perfectly fine. Um, you can you can put pretty heavy stuff on there. I mean, you could put a cast iron skillet on there and cook with it. So, boom, right there. So I'm going to close this. Close that, and it comes with this awesome little pouch that goes in there like that. has instructions, and then this goes in here like this. The little thing folds up, goes into the pouch. And the pouch is actually way too big for this thing. It, it, when I... When I put it in my bug out bag, I don't 
keep that stand in there. And I just put this in one of my pouches in my bag. I normally put it like in a Ziploc bag or something. And then put it in my put it in my bug out bag. So the outpost survived. Oh man. That's stupid. Look at that. Nope. Where is it? I had the conjecture fact thing over the outpost survival tip of the week. So the outpost survival tip of the week is a little uh, stove. These little stoves, this is an Ozark Trail one. Um, this one was like 15 bucks. They have them for 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks. They have the ultralight ones that are made of titanium that are really, really super light. This is light enough as it is. Uh, they, they sell they sell some of these little little um, stoves that have really big um, you know stand look really big feet so that when you put a pot on top of it it can hold more stuff or a larger thing but really if you center it on the thing you shouldn't have any problem we put a a pot that was about that big around on it and it and it worked perfectly fine I'm sure if you put a skillet on there about that big round it should work um you could try larger things really i don't think it'd matter if you put something bigger on there so that was the outpost survival tip of the week camping stove folding stove boom all right so now we do back in the day so back in the day i used to skateboard i used to skateboard a lot okay but when I first started skateboarding in the 70s, in the 1970s, skateboards didn't look anything like what they look like today. And this one, this one is actually from the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. This is a skateboard. This is the GT Coyote 2. GT Coyote. No, this is a GT Coyote 3. This is a GT Coyote 3. Now, when I first started skateboarding, the skateboard was as big as this middle part right here. That that thin. Okay. When I first started riding a skateboard. Uh, and, uh, of course, before they were plastic, there was the Veriflex board, and they were plastic, and then they had fiberglass, and they had a bunch of different stuff. They had metal ones. Um, but before there were skateboards like this people would take um the uh the roller skates and attach them to a piece of wood and that's how you got a skateboard and this one actually what's funny is they would take those roller skates put them on a piece of wood and put a, a milk crate or a box uh, on the front with a piece of wood across it and they would use it with a handle and they would just like a scooter it would be a little scooter Oddly enough, this one can be converted into a scooter. It has a hole here where you put a the scooter thing in there, and then it also has these little holes on, on here to secure. You would you would put a cotter pin through there to hold the uh, handle, so it would have a handle, and the kid would ride it right on the skateboard. So skateboard nowadays skateboards look a lot different than what they used to you cannot you cannot tray flip on this uh you might be able to like we used to ride these in swimming pools 
if you could imagine. We would ride that in a swimming pool. I don't know. I don't know if you, you could ride this in a swimming pool, but we used to ride those in a swimming pool. So that's the back in the day you skateboard. Skateboard. Back in the day we had skateboards. Skateboard. Skateboard. Nobody's chatting with me. That's all right. Leave a comment if you had a skateboard. Uh, what what kind of skateboard? What what type of skateboard was the first skateboard you ever used? Ever skateboarded on? Was it uh, a scooter type skateboard? Was it a skateboard with a handle? Was it skateboard with plastic rails on it? Was it skateboard with uh, you know truck guards or tail tail guard? Um, did it have? Uh, was it made of wood or plastic or or what? Was it a normal skateboard? Was it a normal size skateboard that, like what they have today? Uh, was it a huge skateboard like they used to have when I used to start when I started skating seriously? Uh, we used to have really large pool skateboards that had giant tail on them. I mean, they were huge. <laughs> Mrs. Onyx says. If uh, if she would have had one, she would have been seriously injured because she has no balance. No balance. Yeah, that's funny. So, oh, ma, ma, here we go. It's the uh, pathetic pet of the week. The pathetic pet of the week. We're going to do the pathetic pet of the week. But, by the way, I'm running this off of my phone. All, uh, and normally, I have a tablet in here. And I click it clack on the tablet, but this the phone's actually working pretty good. No, I can't use the phone when I have somebody on the phone. That's why I don't have any guests today. We're cutting it short today because you know I want to spend time with my lady. But also, um, you know, I'm using this. Don't have my tablet, and I don't need to because I don't have no phone going on. Anyway, so today's pathetic pet of the week is Chubbles. Meet Chubbles. This is Chubbles. 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 Chubbles hanging out. Chubbles with the child. Chubbles laying down. Chubbles standing up. Chubbles laying down on a rug. That's Chubbles. Chubbles is a Labrador Retriever mix located in Independence, Missouri. Um, let's see. Chubbles is a senior female medium sized and black so that's chubbles is a girl chubbles is a girl a senior girl her characteristics are affectionate gentle quiet she's good in a home with other dogs and children she has a medium coat uh, her adoption fee is a hundred dollars she's house trained and all her stuff is up to date meet chubbles chubbles is a calm gentle soul one of the sweetest mellowest dogs you'll ever meet she has arthritis in her back hips, so she moves around very slowly and shouldn't go on long walks. But she still loves walking around the play yard, following her person around and joining in with a group. She's quiet and a bit shy, but affectionate. She goes along well with other dogs, but may get pushed aside by more active ones. She would be a great companion for a less active person who wants a low energy loving friend. She's at Shep's Place Senior Dog Sanctuary in Independence. You can contact them at 816-786-8664. 
And again, that's Chubbles. Chubbles. Well, Chubbles is cute. But that's the pathetic pet of the week. The pathetic pet of the week. Yup. All right. Hey, th 30 minutes. <laughs> when I'm by myself, I do the show in 30 minutes. <laughs> I did the show in less than 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, I'll give you the trivia question. The trivia question was, the Wright brothers originally ran what kind of business? What kind of business did the Wright brothers originally run? The answer is a bicycle repair and design company. The name of their business was the Wright Cycle Company. The Wright Cycle Company. So the Wright brothers, they had a, um, you know, a thing. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, well. <laughs> That was Married to Comedy. Short show today. Um, you know, comment, like, subscribe, whatever. If you have any any conjecture, fact, ideas that you would like to throw at us, let me know. Send it in the in the uh, in the comments, or in the comments you can uh, tell us if there's a uh, a science denier that we should highlight. Uh, if you uh, have an outpost survival tip, we'd love to hear it. Uh, if you have a comedian. Somebody that you think that we should highlight in this week in comedy history. That's cool. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind doing that. All right. And if you have a trivia question that you would like to ask and have us do, put that in the clickety clack tic tac. You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, that was the, that was the show. So, um, oh, yeah. You've been listening to Married with Comedy with Jeff Onyx. And no other guests or hosts or co-hosts or no one. Mrs. Onyx jumped into the chat room. That was awesome. Yeah. See you next week. You know what I'm saying?